Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Everything Jake, the podcast where I bring on some of my favorite people to talk about some of my favorite things. And today <coughs> I have here a good friend of mine, Alyssa of Akasha Apothecary. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, so we <coughs> have worked together over the years, um, doing content creation. You've modeled for me for brands I work with. I've done photography for you for your brand. Mm -hmm. And so social media has been one of the mediums that has helped us to do our work. Yeah. Right? So I wanted to start out, part of what I wanted to talk about today is uh, making magic with social media. And because I think <coughs> this comes from, I'm, I don't know where, but one of the one of the influences is skateboarding. Okay. Uh, where the skateboarder doesn't see the difference between natural and unnatural. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that actually riding a skateboard feels very natural. Yeah. Even though it's wood and wheels and technology, right? Yeah. So I kind of look at that with digital technology right? yeah. like it is natural if you do something that feels natural with it right right i feel that so it's just another way to make magic basically i love it okay so far part part of the part of the magic that i want to make today is to uh manifest something that we started to work on. Mm. Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> Which is we we're, we want to collaborate with. See, part of the magic of social media is that you can connect with people. Yeah. And it's amazing. Y you can see what your friends are doing, what people in your community are doing, but you can also reach out to people and actually make connections with people you would dream about working with. Yeah. Right. So recently, I shot my shot <laughs> <laughs> on a random whim. Yeah. When I just was feeling very inspired by a post that an influencer who you really highlighted for me mm -hmm. as being somebody that you admire and would like to work with. Yeah. I sent her a DM saying I'd like to work with her. And lo and behold, heavens above, she got right back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, you know, yeah. I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, very attractive woman, so immediately my mind went to a thousand different places. <laughs> but very quickly, it settled, and I said, oh, because she said, she goes, tell me your vision. Mm, yeah. Which, oh, come on, I mean, that was a perfect answer, right? Right. You know, like, oh, I had like five ready to fire off. <laughs> you know, I had an evolution of visions. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but the first thing I, need, I knew I needed to do was, this was the opportunity to make, possibly make what, what you had talked about happen. Yeah. Which is to have her collaborate with you 
and promote the brand, but also just bring the magic, share the magic, yeah. and uh, create magic together. Right. So this is a shout out to Lizzie Jeff. We, we want to work with you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we want to show you some of the secret spots up in the mountains. Mm. Santa Cruz Mountains that you know that we know. So that's one of the things about uh, this area in general, but I think the Santa Cruz Mountains in particular is there are amazing, amazing things up there that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. It's just too, too windy and you know, at times scary. Yeah, during storms and things. Oh yeah, and just <laughs> other things, just yeah. in general. Yeah. Uh, like if you're not from there, if you're not familiar with it, you'll give up. Right. Pretty like, quickly. For example, one I'll just throw out there because anybody can go to it is Loch Lomond. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is as beautiful. Once you get there, you're like, oh my god, it's like. It's breathtaking. It's um, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. But as you're winding up through the neighborhood, the road is getting worse and worse. And you go further in the mountains, and you start to really think, "Am I going to the right place?" Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're not from there, there's no way you're making it. I don't think. Unless I guess Google Maps now just. It'll not, take you there. You'll get there. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the service might not allow that. Anyways, that's just one very easy to get to not a secret example of even something that's totally easy to find yeah it's hard to get to really right because people just are not used to the mountains yeah and it's intimate i think it's intimidating too like i think because we grew up here it's not as intimidating to even drive highway nine from santa cruz to felton but for some people even that drive is like whoa that's what i'm saying too much yeah it's a whole different feeling yeah but like if you are if you've lived in the mountains ever you eventually know every turn and how it goes on to the bridge and every, mm -hmm. you know the road mm -hmm. becomes ingrained in your psyche because mm -hmm. there's only a couple of ways to go yeah so you do it so many times that it's like it comes a part of you yeah it's very true i feel deeply that way about um, even Felsen Empire, like going up and down to Bonnie Dune, like I've driven that road so many times. And there's just such magic about the redwood trees here. And even the last photo shoot that we did with me, like standing underneath that giant oh. redwood tree, it yeah. was like exactly. just the vastness and the ancient. Yeah. Yeah, they feel like grandmothers and grandfathers. Like, they just feel like this, um, it just feels like this sanctuary here when you're on the land and um, cultivating a relationship, really. Like, when you've walked through the same trees since you were six years old and now you're in your 30s and 40s, it's like, they know you. Totally. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And you know them. And you have this relationship with them that's, really hard to explain to like someone who who doesn't have that relationship with nature but 
Um, it's something that's like very visceral that you can like feel inside of your body and your heart specifically um, totally. when you grow up and live in this place. I 100% agree. And it's like, as I've been coming down here to Monterey and Seaside in this area, you see locals here that you can see how it's like locals take on something of the landscape. <laughs> You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like with wine. Yeah. The flavor of the wine is influenced by the trees and the so are the people. Yeah. Because you can see it. You can, and it's not. <coughs> it's just like, okay, redwoods. Yeah. You know, like, I know. Look at me. <laughs> you mean? Yeah. It's like, We're always wearing just, the trees, the colors of the nature. The thing is too, like when you grow up in it with your culture, that's your culture. You don't. It's you're blind to it. Mm-hmm. It's only through interacting with other cultures that you see, like, who we are. Right. Our, our own little funky blend of, you know, Santa Cruz and the mountains. And yeah. Silicon Valley, you know. Santa Cruz Mountains are a trippy place because of all of that configuration of things. Right. There. Yeah. And just, it's, it's kind of a melting pot in its own way. I think it's yeah. become more of that now. As we've gotten older, there's more, like you said, people coming over from Silicon Valley, a yeah. lot more people that are, even downtown Felton, like the evolution right? of downtown Felton. Can you stop there? Yeah, it was oh, beautiful. I know, it's and looking cool. It's like a hipster spot now. Yeah. I mean, in a good way. Like. Yeah. <coughs> and recently, I went out to um, the Felton Music Hall, and we mm. were talking with someone. Uh, about the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bowling just alley. Awesome. Just all the things that um, you get in the small town, yeah. like that evolution. Like you get to see the evolution of a town turning into a bigger. It's a because bigger it's so small. Yeah. You know everything about it. Like yes. as far as like the public, like every store, every business, yeah. it's all known. Yeah. That's true. And, and at times when you're young, that's part of the challenge of it. But as you get older, I totally agree. That is the beauty of it, too, because it's also like, and that's where I feel so many places, uh, it seems like the culture is kids go away. You know? mm-hmm. They don't stay. Mm-hmm. They're not multi-generational in the area. Mm-hmm. And there's probably benefits to that. But one of the benefits to being in that place, like, you're saying like having the relationship with even the trees but then also seeing people mm-hmm. through a whole life span of you know development and being able to see like the, the types of evolutions that people go through too yeah that's really valuable i love that i just posted a something on my facebook yesterday about loving people long term and mm. how you love them through through all of their own like personal deaths of their their growth as a human being and who they were to who they are now to who they are going to become and that's very similar to that relationship that you're talking about with um with the place and the people too and uh so that's been interesting like now being 30 and still being friends with people that i've been friends with since I was three, you know, like the evolution of us as human beings and some of us are married now and some of us have kids and 
some of us has, have been divorced already, like, and are remarried again, like, all of these things and evolutions exactly. of ourselves and, like, um, having that relationship with the land for me has been like that constant because yeah, yeah, everything yeah. else around me is like just chaos <laughs> always okay so let's talk about that a little bit more because I was thinking about that as I was driving down here too yeah. I've been commuting down here one of the things I love about it is seeing all the birds of prey there's so many mm-hmm. hawks that I see but it also just always reminds me of like just the rolling hills, the clouds, the horizon, just being outside, mm-hmm. I always feel super connected Yeah. And to the earth, to the planet, and, you know, uh, I don't even know what to say about it, except that it's like this way more calm, pristine energy than I have when I'm in the social. Right. right? All right. Stoney, what's up, bro? How are you? Doing great. Hello. 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 You're over there, Joe. All right. Awesome. Oh, oh stoked to be here. Yeah, Stoney, how's it going? It's going well. And Joe? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You must be Jake. I'm Jake. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And this is Alyssa. Hey. Hey. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. We were just talking about being outside and having a connection to the landscape. What do you guys, what's your experience with that? You, uh, I'll let Stoney take that one. Uh, <laughs> are, are we talking about cannabis or are we talking about <laughs> just life? Just life at this point, yeah. Um, yeah, super thankful to be outside and just see the scenery, even even along uh, this drive, you know. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of detachment too. It's nice for me to drive by myself, cause I'm with people all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, thankful, thankful for the the scenery around here, uh, for Monterey. Uh, even thankful for the rain, even though it's a little wild. Um, for sure. Uh, yeah. But um, how about growing outside? I like growing outside too. <laughs> how, how about that one? Um, and also, like the trees outside are so much bigger than growing inside. Like, wild, dude. Um, well, that's yeah, exactly. I mean. Talk about living soil. <laughs> I mean, that's that's where it all begins, right? It's finding uh, finding a, a good patch of sunny earth. Yeah, dude. And and that will I mean nothing will keep you connected, you know, to a place where you'll really learn than farming, because you're going to track the life of an organism as it evolves through a season. Yeah. And so you're gonna just be really paying attention to all those climatic climatic conditions and you know, just every day kind of paying attention to that. Especially living in a place like Santa Cruz where we have all these different microclimates. You could be up on summit one season and then you go to Boulder the next season and you're like, What the fuck just oh, yeah, happened? <laughs> totally different. 
Yeah, yeah. I live in Sacramento, so it's a little a little different than that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sacramento's a trip too because it's like hot, but there's a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, maybe less less water now. I mean, well, actually, it just rained a lot. So up until you know a few days ago, there wasn't much water. But yeah, um, just very different kind of landscape. You know, if we're talking landscapes than this area, but mm. it's yeah. nice. Yeah. Because it, I think part of the other thing is it's like the culture of the Santa Cruz area, you know, like uh, so many of the things that people do, they just are outside and you have to study the conditions in order to do them, like surfing or fishing or that's true, hiking yeah. or mountain biking. So people are always like, you know, uh, I remember I had this one last season during 2020, I had a solid season of mountain biking up in Wilder. Mm. I just did the same trail so many times that over time it's like I know every little rut and then as it rained and they all changed it's like I saw the wipe clean and the whole thing start over. Yeah. What about the beach right now? The sand? Oh yeah. It's like the transformation. Over. Incredible. Mm-hmm. So much movement with the sand right now. Yeah, with the storms that come through. Yeah. Oh. Shift everything around. The, the beach has totally changed, like overnight. Oh yeah. It's wild. I know, that, and by a lot too. Mm-hmm. I used to live out at 26, and now you can really gauge it there because all of a sudden there's like another flight of stairs. Yeah. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> or, or the that thing you were standing on now is like. Underwater. Before you would, if you fell, it would hurt. Right. <laughs> the whole thing, yeah, absolutely. It's pretty crazy. Coastlines, ever changing. Super dynamic place. But then, because we were also talking about the redwoods, these things that are, you know, thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. See, I think that's part of what it is too, right? Is you have this like dynamic, always changing marine layer, you know, temperature, humidity, vortex of energy, and then these, like, things that are all bonk. Yeah. Been here. Been here, not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Got this. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting contrast of things. So, Alyssa, how did you get into herbalism? Growing cannabis. Yeah. Um, I think I've always been into herbs. Growing up in the redwoods, I definitely always had a relationship with the land, and I would make little like flower soups <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> and uh, which I now know are like flower essences. And like I was doing all these things that had names, but I just like intuitively would be called to ritualize them even when I was a little girl. So, um, and then as I got older, started making my own skincare products with, you know, clays and other plant things. And and then I grew for the first time from seed to, to finish. And I was like, this is rad. I'm down. <laughs> I was, it was just amazing to me, like taking this little seed and then turning it into like an eight foot, like, giant plant and like and harvesting like just the whole thing you know because I grew up smoking weed and then I don't know you just take so much of it for granted like when you're not like when you don't have your hands in the dirt and that relationship that I started to build with plants and all of that I just 
kept going down that path and exploring and using it for pain, um, pain relief for menstrual cramps and things like that and started to make my own products and, and then started giving them to friends and it evolved into my business and um, we just won Best CBD product in Santa Cruz County this year so um, yeah it's been a beautiful sorry what is your business Akasha Apothecary okay yeah I make CBD topicals and gorgeous products and uh, do you have any here I do not have any here okay. <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I have we'll, two we'll scalps and for sure yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 sounds cool yeah it's just Bomb, bomb. Like the bomb, bomb. All kinds <laughs> of different high-end, beautiful products. Do you? So when did you, Joe? When did you begin your relationship with the plant? Uh, sixteen. Um, nice. So I have a little different story. I'm not a plant guy. I don't have a green thumb. Yeah. Never did. Never will. Yeah. I tried growing pot once and I hated it. <laughs> it's just really frustrating. Um, so I just come from a total different side of it. I'm on the business side. I like sales. Nice. Um, and so this uh, is that's your business. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, I'll uh, Delta Consulting Collective. Um, I brought some hats if y'all. Uh, I don't know, Alyssa, if you all, but. Jake, for you, yes, sir. Um, yeah, so I my relationship started at 16. I was just smoking with with buddies for the first time, and um, definitely enjoy it. But for me, I never thought of it as like the plant until recently, like moving out to California because I'm from New Jersey. Mm. So it's a very just different, yeah, different relationship Wait, in general. So when did you move to Cali? Five years ago. Cali. Yeah, yeah. That's what they say in New Jersey. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm trying to stay away from that. Actually, I watched a, um, I watched something recently. Yeah, where they they, they were like, uh, no, yeah, you should like claim that. your Jersey roots, bro. Fucking Jersey. I do. Is awesome. I, yeah, I, I love it. Um, you know what? Okay, so we were just talking about like our outdoorsy, you know, woodsy growing up. Yeah, yeah. And the most woodsy family I know. Kids are all named after the Tolkien characters for crying out loud. <laughs> Galadriel. Had a huge crush on. Beautiful, beautiful woodsy woman. Used to go to Jersey to do the survivalist camp. Like, there's a lot of women. There, there is. That. Yeah, definitely. It's true. Oh, yeah, um, I thought, I mean, I just, it's from my family, right? Like, like I, the, the way I grew up wasn't, like, my parents never had plants or anything like that, so I just didn't really know much about it. Yeah. But I like cannabis for the effects, for sure. Um, I admire everyone who does the growing aspect because we wouldn't have it without that. But, um, yeah, my, my business is definitely more on the sales side, and my background's all in technology consulting, so kind of bringing a different side to the business I guess because um, you need both to really be successful and to build a big industry um, that's so cool definitely yeah but it's fun to work with a lot of brands because maybe when you're so tied up in what you're doing for yourself and your own brand you don't get the same exposure to other brands and what other people are doing mm-hmm. so when you get that kind of exposure you're able to bring it back to your brands and be like hey here's what other people are doing how can we kind of work around that or accommodate that to help improve, you know, sales. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting question. That's like a influencer. This is something that brands got to figure out when they're working with influencers. Um, it, it's the same in like uh, the beer industry, for example. Like, are they looking for brand loyalty from that influencer or are they looking for industry expertise? Mm. 
Because mm. if they want industry expertise, then they're going to have to be, you know, trying a whole bunch of different brands things and then representing that brand still the most. So I think that's just yeah. a choice for a brand to make. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. So your approach is to be more industry expertise. I, I try to. I mean, there's so much, there's so many unknowns in the industry, so you can only know as much as they put out there, um, but also as much as you want to learn, right? I mean, it depends on how ambitious you are as an individual and how much you're trying to gain from it. I'm, I'm trying to make this thing as big as possible, go nationally, internationally. I mean, cannabis is not slowing down and neither is my business, so um, that's kind of the way I see it. But trying to navigate the relationship between uh, you know, marketing and brands and, um, you know, research and all that kind of stuff is, is an ongoing battle that's kind of, you try to figure out that perfect balance, which I don't think anyone has really perfected yet, but you see the people at the top who have done better in trying to manage that balance, um, you know. So who would be some of the, i curious about you too, like, who would be some of the shining lights that are that inspirational in cannabis yeah <laughs> that's all you oh man <laughs> i'm uh, trying to think about it <laughs> um <laughs> what are you fucking with these days Any? i'm fucking with my homegrown yeah. and that's all I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm i i do go to three bros i do support I don't know. I feel like because I'm on the other side, like I'm not really on the consumer side yeah. a lot of times. Um, I like Big Pete's. Like uh, Three Bros is a really good dispensary that I that's I'm loyal to to them for the most part. And uh, I'll have to get you some of this. Check. Oh, some new flower. I'm down. Um, Everybody's got beef with cookies, but <laughs> I, I like I like cookies. I've I've liked to watch cookies evolution oh, as a yeah. brand. Well, I would point um, to them as I think that like they burners and specifically like I've been burner. yo I've been listening to burner and going to burner oh, shows yeah. since I was like 15 years old, you know, and to watch somebody like come from the streets to like really and even with his hemp. Um, the wat hemp water or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, the hemp duo. Hemp duo, yeah. <laughs> that was sick. We've um, seen that like a regular show. Yeah. Like, yeah, one for the team. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I feel you like know? just seeing that um, has been really inspirational. I agree. And he definitely has. He's killing it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, part of part of Burner's brilliance. Well, I mean, a lot of things like using music for the marketing, mm -hmm. doing Girl Scout cookies, which was such a pop, cool thing, and like tying flavor profiles. Like people started looking for the Thin Mints profile, like after, you know, based on the idea that it could be done. All of that was so brilliant. But I think the main thing that he did that is super brilliant is he empowered growers. Yeah. Breeders. Mm -hmm. You know, he made lanes for them to be famous and to be able to start their own brands and businesses and so he I mean he's lived his musical dreams right used music I don't know I don't think he's used music I think he is first and foremost I believe Burner is a musician mm -hmm. who's just had really good connections with weed good business 
mind and has tied the two worlds together. And he comes from the streets, so it's like that mentality of collaboration and looking out for other people, like that's a very different mentality than when you come directly from a strictly business background where they, it, it's, a di it's a different like code of ethics, I would say, than like, it's just different. Um, and you can see that in the way that he does want to empower growers and, um, and be in collaboration in that way. I think so. I think he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the awesome ones. <laughs> um, but what, what about you, Joe? Yeah, um, I think he makes a lot of money, so I don't want to plug him too much. Because <laughs> uh, no, Burner's great. He, uh, I saw him at, at Emerald Cup. Um, I've seen him a couple times when I was working metric and cultivation over in Sacramento at Natura, because he runs a lot of his strains, uh, cheetah piss for Fidel's Hashels through there. Um, a lot of the cakes, London Pound cake, like a lot of big strains that they're known for. They run through there. So um, I didn't know about him. And then I was like, who's this dude who's just walking around like he owns his fucking place? Excuse me. But everyone he told does. me that, yeah, they, they were like, they were like, dude, that's Burner. Like, you don't know Burner? And I was like, who's that? But being from the East Coast, you have no idea. Like, this is oh. Bay Area tradition, right? Yeah. So um, I had to learn a lot real quick. And he, he's amazing. Um, I think a big part of it is his clothing empire that he started, which um, you know, you see everyone in cookie shirts and cookies hats and even in Thailand, I mean, yeah. people are, are getting their hands on that. So he's a big inspiration. Um, well, well, okay, real quick too, that's part of what, okay, two things got me hooked on Stoney. <laughs> okay. let's, let's talk about this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm wearing one of them, but it was, I was just going by one of my, my favorite old, you know, cool family dispensaries, shout out. THC in Soquel mm -hmm. by the church there. Mm -hmm. And they had ounces of stony cookies. I'm like, what the fuck? This is like a good deal. And and the way you laid it out too, like you put you put the number of all of the numbers of like the whole thing of like what you're I was like, oh that's fucking brilliant, dude. And I miss ounces. Yeah. And so I went to get the ounce and then they gave me the hat for free. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's a nice hat. That, that's that's part of it, man. I mean, you know, I'm I'm no you know genius when it comes to clothing or anything like that. It's obviously a super cool hat. So that's part of it. I mean, you want something that again, we were talking about balance in business with cannabis companies and how finding the balance is what helps them to grow. Yeah. And that's a big piece of it, right? Your marketing. I mean, people are literally going to be walking around with like wearing exactly what the brand is. And then you have someone be like, that's a cool hat, what is that? You tell them all about it because you're stoked about caring kind, you get them stoked about caring kind. It's just a trickle effect, you know? Exactly. Um, which is exactly what you want, but it's all about, you know, how do we, how do you do that? What is a cool hat? <laughs> what, what makes a cool shirt? <laughs> who, who want, you know, like. Well, that's where you have to tap into the, that's like you have to empower the growers to get the actual good weed. Mm -hmm. And you have to get them in. stoked about the products that they're producing for you. I, I, you empower them. Yeah, they are stoked. Yeah, yeah. You just empower them, and then it's also you also empower the artists. Yeah, because they're stoked about what they're doing. If they can get that on a label, if they get that on a shirt, if they get it on a hat, and then as they're walking around cookies, like uh, Jacob over at Shalom mm -hmm. did a lot of designs for cookies over the years. You know, he used to sell them. 20 packs of designs. That's dope. Yeah. They turn, so he, and he, he does a lot of the flips and like, you know, it'd be like cookies, like an old western uh, movie thing, but he'll, he'll put in the cookies. Like, he did uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to have people who 
are good at it and who authentically love fashion and like right. you get them on board you get and then you empower them so that now they got a big client like hey use your creativity to help influence this thing like the i can't do it without you kind of mentality mm-hmm. whether you mean it or not and ideally you want to mean it i think burner does with his entire team um but yeah that's a big part of it like you're saying empowering in all different areas you know like I'm not the sole person in this. We're all doing this together. You have your own creative avenues and your skill sets that you, that we. That's why I'm hiring you. That's why I need you on this project. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it is it is like a culture and an industry. It's both. Right. And so you have all the elements. Like you've got the chefs. You've got the healthcare, you've got the fitness parts of it, the entertainment parts of it, there's, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Canvas is a part of a lifestyle. You have so many of those, like, off that point, too, uh, when I was at Hall of Flowers in Palm Springs um, this past week, like, Chuck Liddell was there supporting his brand, and then you had Exhibit um, there supporting his brand, the um, Ball Family Farms um, basketball, right? They were supporting their brand. So it's cool that, you know, as much as people are like, oh, everybody's getting in the game now. It's like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's exciting. And, you know, um, there's going to be a lot of people who want to be a part of it. But to have that influence from different areas, whether it's professional sports or music or, um, you know, whatever is is pretty exciting just adds more dimensions to a growing industry and more um i think lowers the stigma when we have more people in mainstream coming on board um jake and i were talking a little bit about that before we started recording about how just even in the early 90s like how hip-hop culture really blew up cannabis but there was still this heavy stigma specifically because it was all black people that were promoting this thing. And now that we have more um, mainstream and honestly more white folks that are smoking weed and promoting it and um, making it more okay, um, it's better for the industry as a whole, I think. And also like there are a lot of people that have gotten left behind. Um, And I think that in a lot of areas in cannabis, like we just really need to do better in terms of um, folks that are still, you know, locked up for a couple, a couple grams, one of these, like a couple cookies, like those types of things. Like, and then there are some brands that are really focused on that. They're giving money back. They're doing um, a lot of things. But I do just want to speak to that as a really important piece in this whole landscape. Yeah, shout out Last Prisoner Project. I don't have any affiliation with them personally, but um, I've met Andrew D'Angelo, who started it, and uh, I just think, like, to your point, that's exactly what needs to happen to kind of take away the stigma entirely, and there's no reason someone should be locked up um, for something that we can so blatantly kind of carry around and use um, Mm -hmm. in the, you know, modern-day landscape of cannabis, so... yeah, it's, it's great that organizations like that are around and doing what they're doing. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's such a it's such a low-hanging fruit in terms of positive social change that can happen. Yes. Because I see it this way. Like, I, I, sometimes when I, like, in talking with, say, like, uh, anybody in the cannabis industry, I try to describe it as being, like, 
wearing training with a weight vest. You know, we're doing hills with a fucking weight vest, <laughs> yeah. guys. So let's get this fucking attitude going, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, let's get this attitude going. Like, we are fucking seals training hills with weight vests. Yeah, yeah. Even if we want to be chill, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> doing this thing is fucking hard. Yeah. And, but as soon as, you know, they start to take some more weight off, you know, we're going to be going up that hill fast yeah so it's like we're getting we're getting strong you know there's the things in life that you can't control that are hard what you can do though is get stronger because of them mm. and then when you change your attitude about them as okay well this is a thing that's eventually going to make me a badass when yeah I conquer it then you start to it just changes the type of pain it is you know it's still a pain in the ass it makes sense little. why my back and shoulders hurt so much and starting <laughs> the cannabis industry that analogy makes sense to me now like, yeah. oh, perfect. not alone bro you're yeah. not alone a lot of people gotta use all that cbd cream and stuff i'm like what's going on with well that's a good thing is we get to medicate ourselves yeah and that's where you understand that it is a superpower too like being in the cannabis industry it is having superpowers yeah you're going up that mountain and like, oh, if you can just focus on where you're at in the flow of things and it starts to feel good. Yeah. It seems like the people in the cannabis industry too, like just the most like motivated, passionate people out of any industry that I've kind of come across or, or seen, um, always wanting to grow and learn and do better and improve. And that's a really inspirational thing. Like we were talking about inspirations mm -hmm. before, but in general as an industry it's inspirational to be a part of i think because you see that so much you know yeah i think well because it's such an exciting innovative time we're relentless <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're not having it like <laughs> yeah even with cbd like you know yeah. shut down payment processor after payment processor and like i'm like i just need to get this medicine to people like I, <laughs> you know yeah um, are you able to sell it in like normal shops like I like, can now. Nice. And now okay. it's super fun because the FDA has uh, deemed CBD. Now I have to have a little sticker on it <laughs> that says, uh, it's like the Prop 65 warning. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that's hard to explain to people, right? That's like not, people that are getting introduced to cannabis, and then you're like, oh, this thing that's super safe. And then they're like, but why it causes, this, it causes cancer and possible birth defects? And you're like, well, no, but, <laughs> or, you know. And so that's, I think that uh, having that research side is so important. And I, I know for myself, like having a, um, building a deeper relationship with that side of it. Cause I'm fully like herbalist woo woo girl. <laughs> yeah, which is great, but that's just one aspect, you know. But you're also you're not j you're also business savvy too. Yes. But you do have authentic woo woo. Yes. <laughs> it's the best combo right there. It is. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I mean. It's rare to meet people like that. I think it is rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to have like to have the same amount of passion on both sides. Yes. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's how, you know, I've seen over the years the evolution mm -hmm. and the evolution of the product as well as the business. And, you know, do you have that space still in Felton? Is it? 
No. Yeah. Speaking of CBD. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other part, right? It's like, you want to just sell your medicine, and they're like, oh, you can't have insurance. We're not going to insure you. And it just... It closes a lot of doors, but it just, um, yeah, that being relentless and, like, our passion to continue to get medicine to people, like, there's just no, there's no way that I'm just going to stop. Like, I'm, we'll find a way, you know? Well, okay, because the thing is, too, is, like, the theory of evolution, yeah, you know, where they have the one example of the moths, right, where these certain moths were, like, pretty, pretty scarce, and then there was bad fires and so then the air was changed colors and so then these gray moths that were pretty scarce matched the air so now they were camouflaged so now they became like dominant mm. oh, that's crazy I didn't know that right? and so you never know when things are going to change and all of a sudden your trace, your superpower is going to be the thing that mm. time asks for and so it's just always like cultivating the best version of yourself mm you can't change the context, you can't change what's happening historically. Yeah. You can do little parts of that, push it, influence and build. But being ready for that moment, I think, is a big part of it. It's nice that cultivate is such a broad term. Like, you can cultivate ideas, cultivate plants, you know, fruits, vegetables. Relationships. Relationships. Like, that's pretty cool to think about, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. That makes me think about I do, I lead a meditations a lot where I lead people into the body and talk about just how we like mirror even the mycelium and the dirt, like how our fascia and our tissues mirror the tissues and the trees and the plants and it's like when you're saying cultivation, like it just made me think of that and that building relationship with each other and that into like platonic intimacy or business intimacy or whatever it's like there's i don't know there's like a there's a deeply i don't know the word they're for deeply it. analogous that's a good yeah. analogy yeah because i think it's also like <clears throat> you come across that sometimes too when people don't understand that process and they want a certain result right now mm-hmm. where it's like well it's got to grow to get there like this thing has to I can plan it. I can plan it now. Yeah. But this is when it will be ready. And you can't rush certain things. You can, and I feel that way Canvas a lot. Is such a metaphor for that. Right. <laughs> it's a great metaphor for that. But I feel like that's just a metaphor for ideas and creativity and, you know, you, mostly it's about like all the work that you do <clears throat> to get to the point where the thing is finally ready. Mm. But it's a process, you know, you're, you're just cultivating the idea. And you realize that once something feels ready, quote unquote, that like it's it's not, you're not done. <laughs> you know, like. That's the beginning. You, yeah, yeah, you either want to do the next thing or you want to keep going on it. Um, and that's the sign of a true passion is like, you really can't get away from it. It's, it's not done because you're not done. You're never done because mm-hmm. it's, that's your that's your whole thing you know you're constantly improving on it constantly yeah Uh, that's that's a it's that's the best part about you know one of the best parts about the industry for sure Uh, people are hungry yeah oh yeah and they see that it works like there's certain things that we can't they aren't as tangible 
that they work, like this alternative medicinal thing, right? Like, I feel like mm. cannabis is, for a lot of people that are super mainstream, if you will, in terms of like their strictly Western medicine view on life, like cannabis can be like this, I don't even wanna say gateway, cause that's not, <laughs> it's like this pathway into like a more holistic way of living in a lot of ways like what other you know what i mean like i don't know oh, that's for sure. i think so well it opens up the mindset to your point in like in different areas like not just like oh i'm a pothead now and like yeah. oh i'm gonna do some pot it's like it's like oh i should be nicer to the people around me and oh maybe i should like eat a little healthier to be closer with the earth like you get like thoughts that like maybe <laughs> are yeah. just like more associated with being a stoner but that's kind of cool because it opens up your worldview to to different ideas and different ways of life and maybe you know when you're stuck in in the western medicine you know set of of ideas you, you're not really able to explore outside of that mm-hmm. you know yes oh i could definitely see it i mean isn't that okay first of all that's the plot of uh, american beauty right homeboy starts smoking weed and then all of a sudden he's like oh fuck this shit my life sucks my wife hates me she's fucking the realtor oh, no. <laughs> but then he turns on the neighbor the neighbor sees him like transforming his life and he's like this super uptight military guy and he's like he's like yeah tries anyways he gets kevin spacey bad guy never mind don't watch the movie good movie though <laughs> Okay. But okay, it's also I was uh, over the weekend I was looking at uh, music. Okay, right now in marketing, one of the things we can do is we can do reels. Mm-hmm. Right, like we just did a little reel I like it. before you guys got here. And one of the things you can do is add it now with reels. You can add any song to your video. Right. Which as a content creator is dream come true. Because without now, copyright. For the reels, yeah. Oh, wow. Because they basically are trying to compete with TikTok. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so it's also a place where you get a lot of traction right now. You know, like I, I put up for a landscape company, you know, great account, great company, but it's not like, you know, it's landscape. And it's just kind of a regular video I put up as a reel and it got like 15,000 views. Just like that. Mm-hmm. So that is this kind of is where within Instagram you can get the most organic reach right now, and it happens to be the yeah, most teach fun. Teach me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, for sure. Yeah. And actually, I'll invite you to be a collaborator as well because that's something cool that you can do now. Yeah, that'd be great. As well as two brands or two people can collaborate on a post, and so it shows up in both of their feeds. That's oh, awesome. That's. I didn't know about that. Double up your kind of following. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so this ability to use music in your marketing has given me this new relationship with music, which I've always had because I've always used music in my artistic process. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, okay, I get to share it and curate little moments of video with music that's going to be appropriate for the brand. And like what's going to be edgy enough to be interesting, but not too edgy to be offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, finding all of that and like... What's your favorite kind of music? Hip-hop. Nice. But I love, you know, tons of music, but that's always just been what I've resonated the most with. And yeah. partly because as a writer, as an artist, it's what made writing cool to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
poetry wasn't made cool to me by Milton. It was ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found out Milton was a fucking G too. Like, <laughs> Dante, gangster, like straight up genius, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it was Ice Cube who made me appreciate craft. Ice Cube like opened the door for you to discover all these other types of poets. Yeah, because I think there was this, partly it was at the point in my life where that was even, you know, it was also when I started using cannabis at the point when it was even a question it was sort of like the whole idea of poetry as I was trying to learn to negotiate what it means to be a man and like not get my ass kicked poetry didn't really seem like it was going to help me out too much <laughs> until I saw Ice Cube as a poet and I was like oh I get a poet like okay yeah. so it was the cross section of things that I needed at that point in my life but that's cool but, so the, oh, I was researching some music, and I love to find things for stoners that are, like, validating moments. <laughs> because all it, all my life, people are like, oh, you're, you're so smart, why are you doing that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, if I'm so smart, maybe you should try the thing I'm doing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so, when you're born post-Beatles... Mm. as we are you just get this megalithic view of what the Beatles are and I, but I saw so I traced the history a little bit right and they mark they all talk about a mo- the moment when they started smoking weed Bob Dylan turned them on to cannabis and that changed their whole direction and they evolved musically because of cannabis and everybody says the Beatles are the most genius band of all fucking time <laughs> Right. It opens up the creative door. I mean, people are realizing that more now than, than ever. So, I mean, that's good. At least that stigma's kind of taken away of, like, oh, no, it makes you stupid or, you know, it's it's blocking creativity. Like, it's obviously doing the opposite. It's done that for a long, long time for people, you know. For sure. Yeah. Did you ever feel that way? Like, you were stigmatized as, like, going to make you stupid or... Oh, yeah. I thought that way when I was younger. When I would yeah. see... When I was in, like, junior high, and I would see my friends coming back to class all high and, like, getting in trouble every single day for smoking, I was like, dude, y'all are fools. Like, this yeah. is stupid, you know? And then I got older, and I started smoking, and I was like, oh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, so many people go through that. Everyone goes through that, right? Yeah. I mean, unless you're just, like, super hardcore into the third generation. So this will be trippy for you too, right? Because we're both from the Santa Cruz Mountains. And it's like, it, the Santa Cruz Mountains are kind of both uh, a whole lot of different things, but part of it is growers, right? Mm-hmm. And so the kids of growers are there in high school with everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so they kind of maybe are sometimes rougher, but they got money too, right? Yeah. But then also maybe their parents are more permissive, you know. But so they, they weren't. It wasn't counterculture. Cannabis was basically mainstream culture. Right. At our high school. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's a whole different vibe of like, as far as the administration, yeah, they're trying to <laughs> fuck with you. Yeah. But as far as like the, the students, no, no, no. It wasn't. They didn't think he was gonna make you stupid to smoke weed. None no. of the students did. No, so that that was why I think we had the confidence 
to go forward and grow forward knowing that we weren't hurting ourselves or fucking ourselves up because we look, that was who was successful in our community that's true that's very true but that also led to all kinds of adventures and <laughs> all kinds of things you, know, you can only imagine as a high schooler yeah yeah things you could get into in the mountains it's like the kinds of places you would drive to as a kid to go score a bag of weed <laughs> <laughs> sketchy <laughs> based on like somebody in the car is friends with or has a class with yeah. the cousin of the kid like, yeah yeah but now it's all probably different but it that was the culture that was the kind of canvas it's probably different now right i believe yeah yeah the culture has been taken away a little bit i think so yeah I think that culture has been taken away, and the Silicon Valley uh -huh. culture has has over sucked into it. Maybe vineyards, maybe. Mm. But more. More Silicon Valley techie, broy. Yeah, just building their dream <laughs> homes of like. And a lot of families can't afford it now. It's like to grow in Santa Cruz County. It's the most expensive county in California to grow. You had to brand. And the thing is, people didn't want to brand. Because it's so expensive. Were, well, and also because they, the, the whole instinct is to not get caught. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so then as you start transitioning to marketing <laughs> yourself, oh, I remember at the beginning, it was such a weird space to be in. Like, right, telling people that you have to, like, no, you put your face on the internet. Yeah. Like, and you tell okay them that you're now. growing weed. It's okay now. Like, <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> and, uh, but... I mean, because I remember at first, like, with medical, everyone was like, oh, you're going to get on that list? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they're, they're going to know where to get you. Like, oh, I've been on that list, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it just continues to evolve. And so now we're in this space. It's an interesting space where it seems like it's a it's the point of consolidation. You know, it's the point where business is really... We've been saying this in the cannabis industry this whole time, right? Like, it's a race between the cannabis people and the business people over the territory. <laughs> the business people are winning. I disagree entirely. Really? Uh, you don't think they're winning? I, I, I don't think there's a separation at all. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I think everyone's winning together. Okay. This is, I mean, also, you have to think about, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to bring politics into it, but I'm going to real quick. So um, part of the issue with California and, and the governor is he just passed a law that says that um, people who are seeking asylum who are illegal can get a cannabis license before a resident. Um, that just fucked every single resident who wants to do things the right way um, and gives the opportunity to people who just decided that they would just come here and now they have this opportunity that people who've been born and raised here who want to get in the game or have been in the game in the past on the traditional market and now want to do it the white market are getting screwed over. So there's a lot of root problems, um, you know, that are affecting the citizens of California who want to be involved in this that I think more than people realize. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I disagree that there's a separation. I think that business... Well, the cannabis industry in California from the beginning, like from 10 years ago, when it became a real, like, above board industry, has never been California. <laughs> mm. Straight up, like. I wouldn't know, because I'm so new most to of the, the people are, say Cali. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a reality industry. Right. And that's okay. I, I don't think that's a problem. Because to me, it's, it's competition. But we're letting, letting non-California people get involved before California people. So you should be pissed about that because you're saying it's a Cali thing. It's uh, California. I am involved in it. And I'm involved in it in ways that non-California people couldn't be involved in it. Because you have trust and, right. and reputation and legitimacy and things that you can't just pay for, you can't just create. They're not paying at all. All the licensing fees that you had to pay, Stoney had to pay, all these people have to pay, um, they I'm don't not, have well to. Well, I'm not saying that that's not right. Uh, yeah. That's right. I'm it's just, just a little, it's shocking knowing personally. that it's a, it's a California, you know, California weed is is what people love. That's why I came out here from Jersey, all the way across the country. Left family and everything was to kind of chase that dream. Even though I started out in in tech, so I, I that's my biggest fight more than anything is like let's like help the people who are here first who've been trying to do it, you know, the right way and you know who are using their entire life savings well, to cool. try to run a business. You know, that's much appreciated for sure. Yeah. But because it, it's interesting though, because I think that that's just the story. It's never not been that, right? Like, every, it's always been people coming from the East Coast across, like yeah, and yeah, yeah. moving across the other way. Like, mean, we're so always. young as a culture, like uh, oh, cannabis culture? No, American culture. Oh, mm-hmm. that's true. Like yeah. California was people coming across. <laughs> right, right. Well, for that, the gold, yeah, yeah, that's true. Not that yeah. long ago. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I get. There's a thing. <laughs> so, I'm a bicentennial baby, right? Yeah. So, t- the country was 200 when I was born. Wow. All right, so, when I'm 100, I'll be a third the age of the country. It's crazy to think about. Me. Right. It's a fucking young-ass country, bro. Yeah, that's so, crazy. It's up. It's been. It's open territory. It's open grabs. It's wild west. It's been that way. You're as welcome here as anybody else. It's, we all have to sort out how we work together, and ultimately, I think who makes the magic out of it the most is gonna win. Yeah. All right. Okay. And so, back to your uh, tech background as well. This was something we were talking about before you got in here, and you know, Sony's got tech yeah, yeah, yeah. background yeah, as yeah. well. And I was saying that. For me, this is partly what I've learned. Definitely, it's like a thing in computers too, right? Like computers and organic farming are very related. But for me, I learned this through skateboarding. That there is nothing that's not natural. Right? A skateboarder knows this, right? That you can find a thing that feels natural within any sort of space. And so it's just a mental thing of like, you no, know, the buildings are like the honeycomb of humans. It's just our natural product right and so technology is part of I see just something that we build right it is natural it's just a thing that we built and so all the magic that you can find in the redwoods that you find on the coastline that you can find looking at the clouds you can find in technology as well I've never heard that point of view that's pretty fascinating Mm -hmm. what do you think I would agree, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I've just never thought about it like that, but yeah, 100%. It's it's all, you know, man-made stuff. Now, the Redwoods aren't man-made. It's different. It's a different type of beauty 
that you can find, maybe? I guess from my perspective, what I'm thinking, but... Um, well, the redwoods are different organisms. Yeah. They make their own things. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. The, our technology is just... It's making stuff. its own stuff, too, though. Artificial intelligence and everything. If you look at it that way. It's kind of interesting that the redwoods are kind of making their own organisms, and we have technology that's now kind of building off of itself, you know? Mm. Yeah, and, I mean, things began mysteriously and they continue to evolve mysteriously it's like that's one of the things about evolution the example of the mob is the adaptation that's where you get the idea of natural selection natural conditions select what will be most fit but the mechanism of evolution we haven't really witnessed, right? We haven't seen something morph into something else. Right? We trace back through, you know, the history of bones or whatever. Mm. The tree of life, so we can tell which things came first, where older and where they came from, to some extent. But who knows what's gonna, you know, we may be on the cusp of new things, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> 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 I fucking hope so. so. I do. Um, yeah. Like, to touch on your point of um, like people spending their life savings and investing so much, and like, it's like we're all coming from such different perspectives and backgrounds, especially when you're coming into the business world and the cannabis industry specifically, and um, like. <sighs> Some people just have harder to farther to climb, and uh, in different ways. In different ways, right? Like, yeah. and so it's just super interesting to to witness like the the amount of growth that you have in certain demographics versus others when it comes to cannabis industry specifically and financing and who's got investors and who doesn't and who has access to VC money and who doesn't. Mm. Um, it's very upholding the same sort of system that we have that you see mirrored everywhere else um and so i'm super interested in what how we're going to begin to um be more like the trees and like be more like the mycelium and like feeding off of each other in a way that's um, more cohesive of an ecosystem for everybody to thrive Yeah, for sure. I think that's the question. That'd be awesome. That would be cool. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> that, that, I mean, I, th- I really do think that, <laughs> I, I don't know, I shouldn't, but maybe, maybe it's possible that that's a reality, but that, again, like, to what people talk about all the time is, like, education, market education, consumer education, like, all that yeah, stuff, yeah. I think that would really help to get us all on the path of, like, hey, we can all be in this together. We can, like, help each other out. 100%. Again. And that's, we were about to talk about this before the podcast began, and I wanted to save it because <laughs> I want to know who are the, who are the big sustainable influencers out there, especially, like, at UCSE. Right? Wait, what do you mean? UCSE has to have people who are interested in sustainability and in uh, social justice. They don't have a sustainability program? No, no, they do. But what they don't have... When I was a graduate student there, I tried to create a research cluster. I did eventually, but I just did it voluntarily. I didn't get any money. Mm -hmm. I proposed to the 
Institute for Humanities Research to fund this research cluster called Organic Intellectual Research, where we visited organic farms. And that's actually where I got the analogy between computers and organic farming in that we grow silicon, we grow it. Like it's something, it's a crystal that you grow mm. and then you slice it into little chips. That's crazy. Straight up, yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> I did not know that, yeah. But so I was, you know, trying to fund that. And at that time it was like poo poo, all the organic is just the bougie choice at the supermarket. It's not really that. This important. is a UCSE? Yes. What? Yeah, I find that wild. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even though they have the originators of the organic movement started at UCSC, they have the heritage there, they have the reason to have that storytelling be a part of what they foreground. Right. So much good land to be able to utilize too over there. They have an organic farm up there. Huge one. But they didn't, you were, you were the one to kind of pioneer it and now they're... No, no, no. No, but it's just, it's actually separate from the school. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's like the school basically... I'll say it, you know, I'll shoot from the hip about it. It's like people who teach there feel like uh, they got put in the stick somewhere. Like they want to be at Stanford, they want to mm. be at Cornell. They want to be at a good research where there's going to be funding for their research. They don't want to be teaching. They feel like they're teaching a bunch of bumpkins. They're elitist. Mm. And it's okay. That's That's just their mentality. But so they don't see organic farming as like the proud legacy they should be foregrounding. They see it as the bumpkins. I see it. Getting dirty with the hay in the field. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like don't know how to dress well. <laughs> you know, is this all the food we have here? This is the theater we have? This is the museum we have? Bumpkins? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Straight up what it's like. There's city on the hill, dude. But the other thing that they should, now they're starting to see that as like, well, this is actually the value that, you know, for s sustainability, there's all kinds of reasons to promote this value. But they don't have courses, they don't have a program that's dedicated to study of cannabis. Mm. As a social justice issue, as a biological, botanical history, a place of botanical interest in the development of the history of that plant. Because it was, you know, it was people who came across the country, you know, during the Woodstock era, who ended up staying, moving north, starting the Emerald Triangle. Mm -hmm. So it's those very same people. That's why I'm, I don't, I'm not bothered by it because that's how it all got here in the first place. Mm. And I just think what you're saying, though, that I do really respect and admire is let's take care of the people here who are trying to do it right, who have that legacy and heritage, for sure. But also opportunity for more growth, too. As long as people are good players and good, you know, motivated yeah. individuals, they bring something to it, all for it. I'm, I'm all for more opportunity. I didn't want to come across as, as the opposite of that. Like, I, I definitely think opportunity is, is the most important thing, and it's what brings about the most creativity and innovation um, is competition. Yeah, is is the competition. So yeah, uh, I'm all for it. I don't don't want to sound like I'm, I'm not. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I like your passion. You, that's cool that you're you know paying, hungry, paying attention right? to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it is crazy. I mean, like thinking UCSC. I mean, I've I only visited the school for the first time three years ago, yeah. and. Um, knew nothing about it and was like, man, this is a total hippie school, you know? Um, and I'm so used to the, like, tr more 
I don't want to say traditional, but you know, like college campuses where it's like, you know, the frat houses and frat mm -hmm. row and like just all that. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of refreshing to see, really refreshing actually to see a campus that's that's like that. And uh, but I find it surprising that there's no real established like cannabis program. And social equity, too, because you can combine, like, social equity, equity with law. That's what I'm saying. I've been putting it out there right now that that is something that should be there. Yeah. yeah. And it should be, they should be proud of it, and it should be a part of their, and this is, but this is what I think happened, is that used to be a big part of why you went to UCSC. Yeah. Was because it was a great place to accessible. Yeah, to, to have wonderful quality of life, close to the ocean, mm -hmm. great weed, mm -hmm. yeah. and you can study literature, art, or whatever you wanted to do for your little UC thing, because there was a period of time where <laughs> that was that became like the high school diploma. Right. It was just the thing you had to do after high school, right, for, you know, unless you Is it up. still like a liberal arts college? Is that the kind of... Well, this is what model. I'm saying. So at a certain point, around 2000, they wanted to change their image. And they mm -hmm. started shifting towards the computer sciences, mm -hmm. uh, and they actually had they had an MTV filmed uh, episode of or a season of like a fraternity show there. I didn't know that. It, it's not a fraternity culture school at no, all. No, not even close. But that started to change the public perception of UCSC, right? Yeah. Did they want to do that to try to get those people into the Silicon Valley jobs and like? We're trying to like be like well, absolutely. They're feeding Silicon Valley, you know, and this that's where they're going to create because they can get money from funding from those organizations yeah. and jobs for their students, which they want. Yeah, you want your students to be placed, after. of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's good for the program, right? Because then when people place in Silicon Valley jobs and then they take over, they become CEOs, they make millions of dollars, they give back. To they the give back to the yeah, yeah, yeah. that way as well, right? That's all the strategy, and with digital technology, the whole model for arts and humanities is like, how do you make money doing that? You know, everything's free. Now it's like, even researchers kind of meaningless. You got Google, right? Mm. You don't need a library as much. It's true. A whole lot of the university's function has shifted with digital technology. And right now they're just jacking people <laughs> for the last little, they're squeezing it for the last little bit. like. You know how much it costs to go to college right now? How much? It's like $75,000 a year. A year. A year. Do you remember when Cabrillo was like, it was like $12 a unit, and now it's like <laughs> upwards of like $45, $50-something a unit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. For undergraduate university. <laughs> yeah. That was pay to play. I mean, do you want to be, you know, a smart elite member of society okay pay up <laughs> yeah. oh no you don't all right <laughs> good luck <laughs> like that's how it feels you know and it's it's yeah. um you know i feel blessed to have a college education but um there's a lot of people who who can't and they're they're well deserving way more deserving of a college education than than a lot of folks out there but um that's yeah it's sad that that's the way it's set up but i just think it also just depends on what do you want to do yeah do you need a college education and, and yeah, and education in that right too. Like I think that we've been so it's been ingrained so much into our mindset and into our culture of like 
college education means a good job, means successful, means you're going to be set up for the rest of your life. But then you see people who don't have a college education, but they went after their passion. They knew what they wanted from age 16 or 17 and just followed it full full stop. And you have to be a certain type of individual to really make that happen, I think. But it is totally possible. And it'd be nice to see more and more people get on the track of like, you know what? Like, I know what I want to do. I don't need this. I can take classes. Like, that's the other thing, too. People forget you don't have to pay 75K a year for four years if there's certain classes you want to take, you can go, you know, take your van over to a college and pay for some courses that you feel like are going to help you in whatever you're trying to do. And, you know, there's Google, there's books. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that you don't necessarily need elitist professors to no, try to what, teach you. That's what I'm saying. But, <laughs> yeah. but that's the way it ranks, right? Like the state colleges in California will teach you how to do some shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, and usually the universities don't teach that nothing. They teach theory. You're above. Mm. You're above doing. <laughs> you're forming yeah. what right. doers will do. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. You're the architect. You're not the fucking. <laughs> the contractor. You know, like the state yeah. university's got people out there with a hammer, like, good day, fucking, <laughs> woo, and sign, sign, fucking out there, pumpkin it up. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm right with them, because that's, that's my vibe. Yeah. I, I gotta do both, you know what I'm saying? I need to have some control over the decision making. Yeah. But I like fresh air. Right. Mm-hmm. And the smells of the countryside. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I have to have that. Like, I can't. Be do, you, do you still live up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, or are you down here now? I'm in uh, west side of Santa Cruz. Nice. Okay. Cool. But your parents still live up there. Yeah, my parents do, yeah. Yeah. Nice. They have since, yeah, forever. Gotta hold on to the land, hold on to the property now, because the yeah. prices are insane. Oh, I'm going to. I just buried my dog up there. Lucky. Lucky. But, uh, oh, I was just going to say, so to me, being a cannabis grower and brand is kind of like being a band. And it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty audacious thing to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, like, like my title is fucking blogger yeah that's how I make my living right I, I do digital marketing and content marketing since 2013 right that's fucking audacious in this county how hard it is to spread here <laughs> that's what I fucking do probably loudly and you know what I'm, but so I feel like being a cannabis brand is kind of that as well where you kind of have just staked your claim as like you know what I'm saying Oh Heaven yeah. Grand. Oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm curious with all three of you, like when did you start when did you decide or and know like, all right, I'm going for it. Hmm. Like in this new era or I guess it's been like several times that we've we're going for it. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the very first one was form in the collective. That was like, oh, we're going for it. Everybody's throwing their medical cards. Right, we're gonna do that thing. Um, then the second time was doing the delivery service online, opening up the online and delivering to people beyond the 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 cipher. Um, yeah, then the third was this Prop 64, which was like <laughs> we're all in for this one. Uh, pretty much 
yeah and took everything that we had from those two other eras into this prop 64 we're all going for it era you know so it's been like a build-up for caring kind since like 2010 mm. building up yeah building up yeah building up yeah um slow and steady wins the slow race. and steady has been the way that's kind of yeah. that's yeah. actually yeah but the genetics haven't been though even the mainstay for those genetics that I have. Those have been like the core. Like that Supreme Dream was 2010. I still, that's the same cut. Mm -hmm. Same. Okay, because that's kind of, this is partly how I describe you, Sony. So mm -hmm. tell me if this resonates with you at all or if Go. I'm way off track. Mm -hmm. So Sony has the has a really like awesome functioning facility that has cool air and everything's soil grown and when you're there, it just feels good. Mm -hmm. But and it's uh it's scaled up so it's a pretty good sized facility, but he also has it stationed off into littler sections, so that you kind of have like uh, the garage grow feel in a lot of different parts of it. Hundred mm percent. -hmm. And so I see him as sort of like that uh, garage band oh, yeah. musician who just started out small, you know, like. <laughs> and then has gotten bigger, but it needs the garage band feel yeah. to yes. do his thinking. That's so funny. I, I was I took the elevator in the <laughs> shop uh, today, and I, I felt like I should have had like a drum kit or something going down with me, you know, getting all set up for a big show. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. That's okay. it. That's Stony. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> you got me. Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's really cool to, to work with Sony, too, and work with Karen Kine in particular, because after kind of, you know, I, I'm still new to the industry, a um, little over a year, so I have a lot of learning to do and have to gain a lot of exposure to other brands and stuff, but the whole living soil, clean green, organic thing with flour is, is really special, and I'm, I feel super glad to be able to to represent Karen Kine and, and to work with him uh, because, you know, it is really cool. People, you know, are, are kind of stuck in their ways with flour a lot of times and um, are a little afraid to branch out. But when you smoke something that is grown the way it is um, with the same passion and dedication and care, you you can really notice it in, oh, yeah. in the effects and the taste and everything. And oh, yeah. it is pretty special and unique. 100%. And I... You you know good cannabis, and I'm telling you, it's like there's nothing that I would choose on my shelf before carrying kind. Beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Hundred yeah. percent. Like if I've got carrying kind on my shelf, the only reason I wouldn't choose it is because I'm saving it. <laughs> you know, like, like oh no no, I only got a little bit left, so I gotta wait. I'll just do this right now. Yeah. That's always my first choice, just because it just is the best. But then also because I know what's going on behind it, it gives me the, you know all the confidence in it. But it's just the product itself, you know. It's like maybe that's more important too in the industry is you know you know Stony, and he's a great guy, and you're from well familiar with the way his process works and how he's growing and the mission behind carrying kind of the business. But there's a lot of people who just don't get that luxury, where it's like, no, I really want to get to know the brand. I yeah. want to get to know who's behind this, exactly. why they're doing it, where the passion lies. Yeah. So that's a good door to kind of open up, is like, what what kind of platform needs to be created to allow 
um, uh, you know, a club or, or anyone really to understand what's going on. Like, why should I invest in Caring Kind? Why should I be a consumer of Caring Kind flour? Well, because it's fantastic and it's unique and it's different and something special, but you won't know that until you get to know Stoney and get to know the family that surrounds Caring Kind and all his processes and all the everything that goes into it, you know? And same goes for, for every other brand, I'd say. Back to your point earlier about education. It, and education about a product is also the process, you know, how the thing is made, where it's coming from. Huge part. And and when that, when that gets involved, then it's the people, and so then that's always much bigger. The people are the best part of it, though. Like, we all know that the people who are involved in cannabis are so motivated, so passionate. They care so deeply. Um, but you don't see that when you go to, like, a hall of flowers and you pick up a product and you're like, okay. You know, you don't, you don't get to see the person who slaves away trying to find the genetics, trying to grow it perfectly, trying to get the packaging right, and all that, all the pieces of the puzzle to make it what it is in that final product. And when you get to learn that and you get to see it, um, becomes so much more special and that connection just grows way deeper. Yeah, for sure. I think in general, that's part of what's cool about it too is it changes your whole outlook on business in general. Right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say that you have a different view of how business works having been in business? Yeah. <laughs> but like I, yeah, I do. And I see where like you need both inside of a business, like both, like I'm very much so like the visionary and like full creative mind. Yeah. Structure, not so much my deal, yeah. but there are people like my partner, strictly business mind, yeah. very analytical. And so like I've, I've learned a lot over the last like four, four years now that I've had the business that it can't be like all or one or the other especially when like the products that i have and create and make like i really want people to deepen their relationship with the earth and with mm -hmm. the plants themselves yeah. like so, i so don't want yeah it matters yes it matters to me a lot yeah the the relationship that not just they have with with the product but like with how I make the products and the how much energy and time goes into like wild harvesting and drying the herbs and pressing the oils and like doing right, all right. of that is um, it's really important to me to like communicate that to and show like, that yeah and that's where you you can do that through social media exactly and you do do that and I think that that your your social media really has a a vibe of um, you know, art, um, <laughs> ritual, um, just cool ass shit. That's why we started out about how social media is pretty magic, right? Like, for example, we're all here through social media, ultimately. Mm -hmm. But I DM'd Lizzie Jeff recently to see if she wanted to work together. Because uh, I knew that she that's a she's a she likes her and she got <laughs> back to me and so immediately I was like oh this is a chance for her mm -hmm. and so I sent a bunch of 
photos that we had done together uh -huh. as part of my vision. I said, I want to come here, let's work together with Akasha Apothecary up the mountains. We'll get some cool shots. And she's like, okay, I'll check this out as soon as I can and get back to you. She hasn't got back to me, so I'm, I'll just wait until the rhythm of things allows that to happen again, or I'll just respond to one of her stories. And, but hopefully, also, just as talking about it, moves the ball forward a little bit. The whole point is that uh, with social media, it that's where that element of people just broadens out to potentially endless, you know. And so it's kind of exciting to, uh, and the other thing I think is super cool is like, as well as with the product and like what you were just saying about trying to have some uh, balance between business and your own intuitions as a creative. Yeah. Like the way I said that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I do. Other folks would call it ADHD, but <laughs> I like I like the way you put that. Yeah, your, it sounds nice. Your intuitions <laughs> as a creative, when they are balanced by business, actually, because the whole thing about business that's great is when you care about the customer. Yeah. Right? You care about their experience, right? That's how this gets so good, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is through feedback and listening in order to do that, first of all, you have to be good enough so that you're confident enough that you can handle the feedback, right? And then you also have to be <laughs> wanting to grow and get better, like you're saying, like people in the cannabis industry do because the competition is strong. But also, I think there's just innately, it's like there's a lot of when you do art of any form, it's fun. The better you get at it, the more fun it is. So that's, you're kind of chasing the fun of it, too, of, like, how good can I make this thing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know yeah. those, like, sip and paint nights that they have sometimes, <laughs> you know? If you go to one and your painting sucks, it's not like, ah, oh, you know? Like, at first, you might be like, oh, but then you, you go back the next week because you're like, I want to be better this time, you know? But it is fun. Like, that's the cool thing about cannabis is, like, there is a direct comparison, at least in my mind, to, to art and music and all that kind of stuff in a creative aspect. Oh. And that's why maybe it doesn't feel like a job <laughs> as much as some other stuff. Like, you know, it's hard work, and everybody knows that if mm -hmm. who's you know inside the industry. And um, but at the end of the at the end of the day too, it's it's like you never you just don't feel like you want to quit. Like you love it. It's just like well, it's super exciting. Yeah. Well, I see. Okay, because but now this is what I wanted to throw your way as a question as well, because for them with the product interacting with the public, having that interaction is sort of like an artist or a musician seeing the crowd of feedback. Oh, it's so yeah. nice. It's the easiest part about it. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the funnest part of the whole process. Yeah. Talking to customers, doing demos. Yeah. It's fun. Even this is fun. It's fun. Because you love what you do and you yeah. want to be able to share it. If, if, you know, if someone's afraid to present their product and to talk about it and to educate the market, you should not trust that product. I mean, they're not putting their love or their passion into it at all, you know? 
but someone who wants to jump on the opportunity to do a demo, but tender training, come out and be like, I want to teach you everything about my brand. Yeah, and it just says a lot. It says a sure. lot. It says everything. Sometimes people might just be shy too, though. But that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. I don't want to <laughs> discount any shy people. But there are people. <laughs> I, usually, when people are stuck on something they're doing, they want to talk about it. Like, yeah. They share that. Or they'll have someone if they're shy, they're going to reach out to someone that they know isn't shy, and they're going to tell them everything that they need to know and be like, hey. And that's like. An example of my kind of thing, right? Doing yeah. the sales thing is like if someone doesn't really feel confident in going in and just talking to a buyer right off the bat and being like, "Hey, here's the deal and here's the price and let's run it up," then you know, you have people like me to go do that. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that was what I was—that was the ball I was going to throw your way—is that in marketing and sales and business, you have that as well because you have that direct engagement and you have the, you know, the end result of getting accounts or not. Yep. Right. So it depend. It matters. Like that interaction matters. We can't just be experimental and just be like, oh, well, it works. It works. You got to get accounts to survive in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. So that there's the learning curve that I think is a similar learning curve in business, and that's why going back to what you were saying to begin with, I agree that they're not different. I think that art and business are interrelated, and I just think that that's sort of how the history of cannabis industry has played out in terms of people's mentality of not understanding business coming from cannabis, mm. not understanding cannabis coming from a business background. Now I feel like we're at the point where both sides are have learned as much as they're going to learn. We, this is the meeting point. We might be the only community nowadays who actually loves to talk to each other and learn from each other. And there's so many people who are like, no, I, I know what I'm talking about. I know my way. And, you know, you can't change my mind. But cannabis doesn't feel like that. It feels like you're like, wait, what? Like, you're doing what? And you get excited. You're like, hold on, let me write that down. Like, that's crazy. And mm -hmm. people are stoked to share. They're not, they're not, like, there's no fear of, like, well, what if, I, if I tell them this, then they're going to run with it. Like, people are just, it's just, there's so much excitement that surrounds it that, like, endless opportunities to learn, which... Absolutely. You know. And speaking of that, I want to dip into some of the, the secrets that we can tell or can't tell <laughs> right now, which are along the, the lines of strings. Mm. Because I was uh, thinking as I was coming down here about some of my favorite flowers right now, and the waffle cones is the latest. It's my favorite too. <laughs> the waffle cones. Is, is insane, and coming off of the stony gelato mm -hmm. to the waffle cones, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. carving out this delicious mm -hmm. niche mm -hmm. <laughs> that is, you know, highly uh, delicious. <laughs> and uh, it, it it hits exactly that zone that mm, I like. It's a stony gelato zone, huh? It's the same. It's nice. That's why you. That's why you like yeah. it. Too. Yeah, yeah. Stony gelato is my favorite, and then I tried waffle can, and I just, he loves just got another can. one because I love it. Yeah, it's uh, super trichy, delicious, and I'm big on those. Anything that's like cake gelato type flavors that mm. like it, it feels like you're like smoking a dessert yeah. <laughs> like i love that that's that's all yeah. me. but it's that effect though that you guys are both gonna like too which is the oh, focus for sure yeah the focus. Exactly. you're gonna get focused oh so you're a sativa guy yeah okay hell yeah i love sativa. yeah so yeah sour diesel is like my favorite strain across the board mm -hmm. but um but it's so hard to find sour diesel like we're, i know i think we're gonna bring it back that'd be sick 
Yeah. I, I know a lot of people. A lot of people are doing like the super silver haze, um, mm-hmm. sour super diesel haze uh, cross. So they're doing like super sour D. But do you know anyone doing a good sour diesel? No. The the reason why is because it takes too long. It's mm. timing. Stony mm. diesel. We had stony diesel before, but it it, well, it wasn't potent enough. It's like which it was like 23 percent wasn't potent enough right. it oh. wasn't in the 35 percent range sure. so that and then also the timing you know it's a 10 weeker so pretty much the way it is right now for production everything has to be within a window yeah otherwise mm-hmm. you don't make it it has to be in the zone um so it goes back to that business thing that we're like talking about right there the artist and the business is always going to be there what you know it's like there's like some like realm where oh yeah i'd love to do like some crazy exotic 13 weeker but we don't have the the means to do it and 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 also the market isn't there either no one even really know you say 13 weeker or whatever people just look at the structure what it looks like go to test that that's it and and maybe the effects and once you find your flavor then you're like oh i like that effect the waffle cone like did did hit hit some like button that you wanted to hit yeah. If you're talking strains, though, I mean, those are the names. Those are the hitters now. Like, it doesn't have to be anything that people recognize. It doesn't have to be, like, L.A. cookies or, you know, anything that people know. It's just got to be cool. <laughs> it's just got to sound good and delicious. You know, Tangy Dream, Orange Crush, like, you know, all these things that just sound really tasty. That's that's what's going to sell. I don't know. What do you think? I'm just... This is, like such a different world than the world that I'm in with cannabis like it's so fascinating I'm just like taking on also that big Pete's cookie just like (laughs) so what do you deal with cannabinoids I do and terps a lot more topical stuff and like really slow like all my medicine takes like almost two to three months to make and it's like this I don't know I guess because I'm not on the consumer side, I don't really, like, I have no relationship with, like, any of the, you know what I mean? The like, strain specifics. The strain specifics yeah. of, like, any of that. So you don't have a passion about that, or you're not curious about that? I'm super curious about it, but yeah. I just don't have, I just haven't explored that really at all. Yeah. And I when guess I was younger, I, I did. Like, in my early 20s, it was more about that. And then now, I'm like. I feel like we're entering that realm yeah. right, right now. Where turfs are gonna matter, total cannabinoids are gonna matter, yeah. and then the next level is gonna be in the south. Yeah. Those turfs and it's, those it's cannabinoids flavor. in there. It's flavor. Right. It's that, effect. That, that's why it's people. Like, it's same like Big yeah. P, right? I mean, he's yeah. dip, dipping into it already. It's like you got indica, you got sativa. Even you can start having your. He's got his like Dr. Green Thumb strain. Right? Yeah, the collabs are. Yeah. That's what like when, uh, when I was yeah. down at Hall of Flowers, Big Pete's yeah. had their own booth, little corner section, mm-hmm. and that was their big push. Was like, oh, we, we got a collab with Dr. Green Thumbs. We got a collab with I this, collab with that. that, and it's super smart because all of a sudden it's like I don't know how Big Pete's is, but I definitely have heard of Dr. Green Thumbs, mm-hmm. and I like them. They yeah. also do the cookies, cookies for Bird. I love it. I love it. Super smart. smart. That, and that's how Be Real connected with them to do. Be Real actually connected with them. Pete Jr. was in here. It's kind of like a dream come true right there. Yeah. yeah. Pete Jr. was in here a couple of weeks ago and told that story. I asked him. You know, that's how, crazy. How do you make that connection? Because he's always been super good at working with influencers. Which back to making the magic happen with social media. What is he, Jeff, if you're out there? But that... Pete always just reached out to influencers, and that's how, you know, at the festivals, that's how we connected initially with Burner. 
and he used to always tell us this story. He used to always go, oh, tell Big Pete, because it would always be Pete Jr. and I, he'd go, tell Big Pete, my security guy ate, ate six of the cookies and said it wasn't going to be shit. They knocked him the fuck out. He <laughs> <laughs> tell us that story every time. Until eventually, we started making their cookies. That's cool. And but so that was an organic, long-term relationship in the making of just you know seeing each other over time and sharing they're, the same story. They're an impressive wow. family, um, the Big Pete's crew. What they've yeah. been able to accomplish, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. No, oh, I agree. Oh no, I'm stoked. They're so, such an awesome, cool family. Yeah. And because for me, they're you know very I'm very fond of them, but it's such a cool example of. When cannabis became legal, one of the things that was great about it, I think, is that a lot of the anxiety went totally away, right? Because it was actually anxious because you could get in trouble. It wasn't the plant making the anxious, (laughs) right? But so one of the beautiful things about the relationship between Big P and Pete Jr. and their whole family is that Cannabis has always been a part of that, mm-hmm. and so it's not just legal, it's legal and sanctioned. It's like part of their culture, so never have felt weird about being into cannabis in that space. And just, that takes, you know, not just takes away the anxiety. I always see, this is the other thing I was thinking about, is how cannabis is never, for me, an end in itself. Like, I rarely want to just sit down and smoke weed. I'm always getting stoned to do something. Boom. It's always like something that I use while I'm doing something. Or if I'm going on a big hike, tackle one of these babies. A cookie before a hike? Oh, yeah. Oh, I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I could not. <laughs> <laughs> I could not do that. Any kind of cookie. Because I've, I've got this, I'll, I'll just stay gone. Like, it's not going to fuck with me. But then, as soon as I get to <laughs> Vista, I'll just be like, don't you know and like okay great yeah, yeah. so it's just for me it's always is about enhancing some other activity mm. what about y'all what do you like to do or how, how do you use cannabis I, I would just bring up one point that directly relates to that because i saw a post i don't know who put it up i think it was big pete's page but they had used the cookies in like some type of video ad campaign that combined it with like putting the cookies into a protein shake and then someone like drinking it and going out for a run and i was like that is the most clever marketing i've ever seen like way to take a cookie that's like sugar that's That's me that's you yeah no way oh my god Um, anyway i was like yeah no we need to talk more for sure because that's kind of the stuff i need to get better at but but i was like that's amazing because um it's such a you know that that opens for for anyone who is like oh those are cookies are unhealthy i can't mess with that it's like oh my god I'm a I'm a protein head. I love to work out. I could take these cookies, pop them in a protein shake. Exactly. Get you know, and th- so, um, but yeah. Anyway, I, f- I forgot your question, but I wanted to bring that up because I thought that was like one of the most genius, uh, oh, genius marketing tools I've seen. Thanks. Yeah, it's not getting my mind, dude. I, I remember it well. Yeah. Well, and, and that comes out of them being really aggressive and wanting to grow, and so we've had marketing meetings for years. We've thrown around every idea imaginable and just chosen certain ones and run with them. Is that your background, is, is marketing, or you just have a passion for it and you're good at My it? My background is art and literature. Okay. 
painting, BFA in painting, PhD in literature. Wow. I started a marketing agency. Well, because even as I was doing the graduate studies, it was my whole thing was that everything's changing in our culture because of the internet. Yeah. And I could I could see the possibilities for businesses before businesses were really doing it. <clears throat> but so 2013, the first thing I did was a charity event. I did social media marketing for that event. And then through the fundraising for the event, talking to all these different businesses, I ended up getting accounts. Oh. And then at one point I had like 14 accounts. I had mm. the two phones. So, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah, the marketing piece is so key. I had no idea that you did that. That yeah, <laughs> marketing yeah, yeah. for big pizza. Yeah, awesome since since uh, 2000 and I don't know, for probably eight years. Oh wow. Yeah. That's all you, man. Wow. Okay. That's, that's all <laughs> and and but that was a huge part of my education in cannabis is because they also were you know went to festivals you know and so that's how I met Bernard. The, it was so rad because back in the day you used to be able to give away samples, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so th they would always send me with like couple of cookie girls with backpacks <laughs> up on stage out of the camera and they go up there just throwing cookies out to the crowd and like that's awesome you know like uh amazing just oh, huge currency and you know just big acts that i've admired my whole life you know like standing like next to them that's one of my favorite artists currency i love currency yeah great writer yeah and getting back to ice cube being somebody who inspired me to write Currency is one of those people who uses the English language as a as a instrument. You know, it's like it doesn't have too many different themes: cars, weed, making money. He uses words that I've never heard of. Like, I feel like he's reading yeah. the dictionary all the time, or his mind's just a dictionary. But That's what I'm saying. He uses <laughs> the language crazy. itself because yeah. the themes are simple. Yeah. Old school cars, smoking weed. <laughs> You know, making money. California dream. <laughs> but he, you know, because he, he started out with Lil Wayne. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was in a group with Lil Wayne. That's crazy. Well, That's so weird. Hot boys. Hot boys. Hot boys. Hot boys. So he's from the South, actually. Okay. But he's just one of those weed, weed heavy cannabis artists. Yeah. I've always loved. Yeah, yeah. To me, some those are some of my favorites, like Method Man or Red Man. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, be real. Cypress. Yeah. Oh, anytime I hear that voice, mm. I know, oh, that's a good song. Mm. I was listening <laughs> to the Jaka the other day. Mm. Yeah. I made a Bay Area playlist, and it's been it's been going strong for a few days now. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's right. So, what is your, uh, what are, I like to ask people about best practices, things that they're finding are working the best for them currently. Any mm. Are you talking about growing or any business practices? <laughs> Anything that's like making your life go in a good direction. Mm. Yeah. Habits. Um, 
yeah, definitely getting more organized. I've never been a very organized person, but now I have qu quite a few clients that I work with. Um, so organization is, is key. Yeah. So I'm really trying to, to get that better. And like structuring your time? What? Well, yeah, I mean, my, my time, <laughs> I don't know how I structure my time, but I'm like always just on <laughs> but I love it too yeah. so maybe I have to get better at that but more um, more like like files and like documents like paperwork yeah like I tend to like I'll write something and then I'll just like throw it into a folder on my computer and be like where is that thing Systems. you know and yeah now I'm like okay I gotta create a folder that says like invoices or like pictures or yeah. you know so that like when I go to do a new Instagram post I'm not like scrambling through my phone like where did the you know mm -hmm. I could just be like oh yeah these are the pictures this is the one I was going to use today boom write the little caption it'll just make all those things will just make my life easier as like I continue to take more on and, and grow the business and everything so yeah for me that's important organization skills I think stoning I think you you're probably much better than well I don't want to speak for but I'm guessing you have more of those system recipes because w that sounds like what you're saying and that's what I think maybe we should try to do more. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're already... He knows this because... Maybe you're already on this He knows. One. No, yeah. no, no. But it's something I need to do. <laughs> yeah, especially I think all of us. Yeah. I think it's something all of us are always working on. Systems. In order to hand it over to other people as well, right? Well, but, also, but yeah, so like I make a template. I'm a template type of person. And a recipe. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been like uh, very helpful with that kind of thing because yeah, he, he understands that I'm still learning the processes too. So in, in that fact, like Stoney's a great client because he'll be like, hey, like here, why don't you use this template to do this? Or hey, I have an idea and like let's kind of figure out a better way to kind of format yeah. this thing or yeah. that. And it makes my life that much easier. And, and mine too. Yeah, so it's, it's nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We were writing like three invoices before. You know, it's like, I'll write an invoice, he'd write an invoice, customer write an invoice. <laughs> now we just write one invoice. Yeah. yeah once you got a system, then you, that probably and solved the yeah, workflow. And it's pretty much done. Yeah, it's pretty much done. And the communication is so key, like opening up the lines of communication, because yeah. if he was just like, this is stupid, but but now we'll, we'll just keep it going, yeah. then we would just get really frustrated with the process and with each other. And again, that's the but feedback, you know, the feedback, correcting, same, best same, ideas, yeah. the wins. Yeah. That's another thing too. Apart from the organization, like I have to get better at that. Like someone tells me, like, hey, you should try it. Like, because I, you know, when, when something's your baby, you're like, no, no it's hard, it's hard. <laughs> I know what I need to do. You know, it's but hard. and that's because yeah. you're passionate, and that's part of. But that's good to have that self awareness of like, okay, and especially. It's the other people who raise you up. Burner's taught me that the most. Like everyone around him on his team, he's built this incredible team, but he lets go. Of the hand of the handlebars, he lets go of the trust and puts that trust mm. in his team. For sure. And they raise him up, so I got to learn how to do that. Because you know? if you, that whole thing is like, if you are to scale up ever, and you're not going to do everything yourself, you have to have ways for other people to step in and you know replicate what you're doing. Right. And Burner has done that for sure well. Mm -hmm. But I think also that comes from this book. Anybody ever heard, read, know about the book called The E-Myth? I know about it, but I've never read it. The mm -hmm. Entrepreneur Myth? <laughs> Check it out. <coughs> and uh, it's subtitled is something like the Keys, Lock Key Revolution to Small Business or something. But he looks at uh, the trap that people get into sometimes when they go into business mm. because they're passionate about a thing making pies 
and but then all of a sudden now they're just making pies and they got no time now they hate making pies because fuck all these me pies <laughs> and, and so it's sort of this trap and that's the e-myth right <laughs> but so part of what the whole thing is is every role in your business to write out a contract even if it's just you like these are the duties mm. for the cashier these are the responsibilities you must like a SOP mm-hmm. yeah and then with the contract and then you sign it yourself right that's interesting <laughs> but you're creating all the different roles that yeah. then when you're ready to you can hire someone but I guess how do you like that's a good question in itself is like that's where I struggle with is like I'll think oh maybe I could use someone for this and then I'm like do I really like that like how do I define what roles I actually need and which ones I can do myself like I just oh. pick the things I'm good at. <laughs> like the rest of them. That's smart. Yeah. I'm like, these gotta go. Like shipping packages. When my business was flowing like a lot more during summer, like it's pretty seasonal, and uh, I have somebody ship all my packages because I know that like it is such a struggle for me mm. to do it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I would. And some people are much better at that, but I've learned that through like. Yeah, being like neurodivergent and like having ADHD it's like I have to have things like very specifically like for my for me but when you first set it up you knew like hey I'm gonna need someone to do shipping packaging all this oh stuff. no I tried to do it myself and like epically fails and it was just <laughs> like I'm I like yeah it was not it wasn't working and I've learned a lot of things through trial and error yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just so maybe trying it's systems that. out and like being like, that did not work. <laughs> and figuring out where yeah. where your skill sets are, and then but also like it sounds like you still have to learn all the other areas. Because to yeah. your point, like understand. you have to teach, or, or you're kind of responsible if you're the owner of the business to like teach the new people that are coming on that job, even if it's not something you're good at or right. you're going to be doing. You know. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, so I think having some experience with all the different roles even if you're not good at it and yeah. tried and failed. So then you know the value of it too, yeah. partly because you tried to do it and you failed, so then <laughs> yeah. someone yeah. else can do it for you. Maybe you're going to feel good and great, yeah. grateful. <laughs> yeah. felt so grateful for my assistant. We'd be like a meeting and she'd have everything like in an Excel spreadsheet, like color-coded. I'm like, I love you forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she would just do it because that was just more intuitive for her to just be organized in that way. Exactly. And then uh, just it goes the other way as well. Like when people need somebody to do some creative and then they try, they go, oh, we can just do it in-house. And they try, they're like, oh, it's not going to fly. Right. And then (laughs) you you show up and you pull something off for them and they're running it the next day. Yeah. That that feels good. You know, that's when you are able to add value to something like that because you developed a skill set. So, you know, I think... It's also like there's laws of diminishing return. Like, how much time do you want to spend doing something that you're not going to get that much better at, mm. even though it's an important part of your business? Whereas somebody else, that's their inclination. That's the thing that they go to first. Get them on the team, and then, you know. But yeah, I think you have to define the roles for your own business. Or if you do, you, you have a smoother go. The most successful person I know in business is extremely successful. I actually did a podcast with him. I went to high school with him. And he sold a business for uh, 
like $260 million. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was his, that was his whole thing. His two things were no assholes. That was mm -hmm. like his culture of your business, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of kind. That's kind of like the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, set the tone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you have, as, I, I think that's equally important to the systems that you may create for your business mm -hmm. is the culture that you create for your business. That's a good point. Yeah. And so you have to, who are you going to attract? You know, both internally to fill those roles, right? Because you're going to need that accountant person, but not just any accountant person, the one that works with you, you know, that has that sort of overlap with circles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, and that's back to what you were saying earlier of, you know, brands showing up and talking to the public and sharing their story is a great way, I think, of completing that circle of, you know. That's it helps young entrepreneurs learn, too. I mean, all the trial and error stuff, like, if you're able to talk to someone face to face and kind of see like what they were able to experience and how they overcame stuff, it gets you more amped about doing it on your own because you're like, they can do it. I saw them do it. I mean, obviously there's hurdles, but you can, you know, you can kind of t take a mentor on or whatever it is, or just learn a lot of information. And it'd be cool to see more entrepreneurs enter the cannabis space because there's so much to to do. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, and, well, and also the marketing, the business, mm. all surrounding it, you know, I think that absolutely, th those are fun parts of the whole thing, as you can see, people who didn't, wouldn't have had the same outcome, because like I was saying, like, for an accountant, but a, an accountant who's going to work with a cannabis company is, if there wasn't a cannabis company, you know, they may not have that fit. <laughs> Right. In another, in a mainstream, they may be a misfit. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So, it's creating. That's where it becomes a larger culture, and it's like all the different parts of it are real cool. Estate, all the things. Yeah, real estate, politics, right? You know, um, I mean, obviously, that's how the laws get changed. That's how our rights get protected. You know, so ultimately, somehow it leads to there in a lot of ways too. But also, it just leads to culture, to culture in general. You know, like how many cool parts of our culture weren't just influenced by cannabis, like Bob Dylan turning on the Beatles, but have funded bands, right? That's how bands got their start. It was a garage band that was funded by a garage grower. <laughs> Those two things have gone together too. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like Garcia handpicked. Like people don't even know. Like even if you say Jerry Garcia, they're like, oh, who, who's that? <laughs> like, because the cannabis industry that. is not, you know, it's not like all the deadheads anymore. Like it's it's mm -hmm. expanded so much. So now people are like, oh, what's that's that's a cool name. And you're like, that, that's. <laughs> you so we're, know? we're talking about this. Who who is Karen Kine's demographic? Great we, we, question. We started breaking down the generations. Yeah. Who who is it? You know, I think it is. And what are you? What are you? You Generation X? X. Yeah. So definitely some Generation X. Yeah. But 
I don't think it's not a generational thing. I think any generation. It's more a, um, you know, it's like people who are going to eat organic food. Uh, people that shop at Nileve on the west side. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and who are so it's not. A, so it's not an age. It's not an age number. You no. think a 23-year-old that eats organic is maybe even more so because think if you think about they care much more about I yeah. feel like they do more brand research than and they're going to three bros yeah, yeah. oh you think so from UCSC yeah. yeah okay because this is the other way I would see it why is it does seem like three bros is like the most popular dispensary for everyone who goes to UCSC maybe I'm wrong I think it's closest probably oh, closest. oh that makes Drunk so much sense okay <laughs> the, other, the other two that are close are kind of inconvenient to get to that Canada makes sense. And three bros is like You go to Three Bros and there's a straight shot to Westcliff. Yeah. Yeah. To the sunset to go burn one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You could even walk yeah. down and burn or one. Or maybe delivery service. I, I think Anything. it's just people who are lazy and they're like, no. oh, and New Leaf is right there. Like, you can just yeah. yeah. Three Bros. It coffee is right there. Like it's mm-hmm. it's, it's convenient. Yeah. yeah. The wine and, place and is comfort. Right there. Maybe comfort too, huh? As um as Karen Kine keeps expanding and entering new territories, I'm curious to see like what kind of market demographics it you know go for it. Like you know, because I think it all depends on the territory too. Like Santa Cruz is a different demographic, a different market than LA mm-hmm. or San Diego or Sacramento. So to kind of compare and contrast between the different territories of where caring kind expands to and you know who's Whole picking it foods, up. Whole Foods, New Leaf, High End, Sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> Whole uh, Foods, okay, New Leaf. We, we gotta wrap Synergy. it up. But the other thing I, w- I just want to end with is think High End coffee, third wave coffee. Weedos uh, and High End tacos. Think Weedos tacos here in Monterey. <laughs> Dust Bowl brewing. And I'm going to go ahead there later on today. In fact, I'm going to be doing a taco review. Just recently <laughs> did my first awesome. taco <laughs> re- taste test review. I'm doing a tour. Nice. So How was the first one? The first one, I had to go back the next day. Oh, wow. Okay. That? That's a yeah, yeah, pretty right. good rating right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Mi Tierra on Broadway in Seaside. And it's a huge, beautiful supermarket with a taqueria inside. Highly, uh, 9.2 for those ones. So, Widows, I know you're going to deliver. I've heard great things about you. And uh, so, until next time, Jake J. Thomas, another episode of Everything Jake. Thank you so much for joining me today. Peace. Woo! Thank you. Sweet. Thank you.